Hey, this is the October 11th edition of Three Songs Podcast. Welcome, welcome. Lionel Hampton on the sunny side of the street. Yeah, and, and who are you? I'm Mike Hogan. I'm Bob Nastanovich. We're the hosts of the Three Songs Pod. That's a good and one, Bob. That was your song, huh? Yeah, you know, I mean, I'm a huge fan of the vibraphone. And if I, if I had grown up playing music, then that would have been my choice instrument. And I, I, and I, he's one of my favorites. Yeah. There's a, um, I'm a big Victor Feldman guy too. And, um, 
I need to delve more into the great vibraphonist and jazz history, but that that's a jazz standard. It was written in 1930. Actually, the lyrics were written by a woman named Dorothy Fields. I think that version there was from the mid forties. Lionel was a Lionel had a incredibly long life. He was born in Louisville in 1908, or to pronounce it correctly, Louisville. Louisville and uh, Louisville. You know that, right? Oh yeah. Have you been to? I've never been, but I've, I've, you know, I mean, working in in the racing industry, I've been corrected. Well, if you fly in, yeah, if you fly into um, to Louisville, then the usually they'll say "Welcome to Louisville," which we all know is wrong. But you know, basically, the rest of the world calls it Louisville. And but that's all beside the point. He died in New York in two thousand two, so he lived to a grand old age, ninety four. He had a had a brilliant career and uh, that's that's one of my, my favorites of his and it's just it's just a sweet vibe and yeah. he's and I, I love the vibraphone solo in there and For i just sure. think it's such an underused instrument in rock i yeah. think that more pop bands and more rock bands should have, should have used the vibes and, and lionel's one of the masters of the game and he, he also played piano and a bunch of other instruments he's one of these jazz wizards and uh, uh, just, just a real hero of mine. And every photo I've ever seen of him, he has just this glorious expression. So, which you know may may have explained his glorious long life. You know, hopefully he, he moved to Birmingham. He left Louisville and, and mostly grew up in Birmingham, Alabama. <clears throat> and uh, and I, I, I'm sure music was his salvation. So, tip of the cap to my man Lionel. No, that's awesome. Thank you for for playing that one. I, I don't know that song. I know some Lionel Hampton stuff. Uh, of course, he's a legend, but uh, I don't know that song, so I appreciate it. And uh, yeah, I may I may bring it's much 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 more obscure vibraphone stuff, but there's an album, cool. yeah, uh, of German free jazz. You know the German free jazz label label FMP. Um, there's a, a record on there. I think it was from the. I 70s. don't, Mike. I don't, Mike. But, but I'm looking forward to you introducing me to that. Radical sounding label. Classic. Peter Breutzmann was the uh, founder of it. Um, a lot of really out there uh, European jazz, but uh, there's a record that even one of the more obscure records. I mean, this is an obscure record label. I mean, it's not if you're into free jazz, but if you just for a normal, regular music listener, FMP is relatively obscure. One of their more obscure releases is is an album that is guitar and vibraphone duo. Um, I think it's fantastic. It's one of my favorite free jazz records. I'll I'll, I'll drop a tune from that at some point. But you're going to shift gears and take us into Euro punk I, now. So I am like old, old school like Euro art punk. punk yeah. Um, yeah. I'm going to play something from 91 from the Dog Face Hermans. Um, started originally in Edinburgh. Uh, the lead singer, Marion Kutz, I think is how you say her name. She was actually yeah. born in Nigeria. Um, Whoa. Yeah. They ended up... Uh, and she worked her way to Edinburgh. That's... She worked her way to Edinburgh. Um, the One of the original founding members of the Dog Face Hermans, who we're going to be playing next, is... Uh, is Andy Moore, who's now a uh, regular guitarist, permanent member of the X, who we played in the inaugural show. And X are a huge, huge influence on me personally. Big fan of the X. 
the dog faced Hermans, the legendary Dutch punk, legendary legendary Dutch punk band. Yeah, exactly. Uh, dog faced Hermans are kind of kindred souls, and ended up touring with and collaborating with, and you know, of course, living with as far living, as you know, too. living with. Uh, I think they dog faced Hermans moved there in the early nineties to to Amsterdam, and um, you know, they it's re- pretty cool when two bands hook up like that, two formidable bands, and then make themselves more formidable by association. Like I Absolutely. think they could, so they could tour like they could tour as a package. It must have been like three hours of mayhem. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I can't, Seeing those two bands, I, all the instrumentation. Like one of the greatest stories you told about the X, and I can't imagine doing this. They were so great at playing music. Is they were the band that would figure out who was going to play what by luck of the draw from a hat or something. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, when they, when, yeah. They, when they first started playing, none of none of them knew how to knew knew how to play any instruments. So they just kind of drew straws or drew drew names from a hat, and you know, okay, I guess I'm playing guitar. Um, That's but, an amazing story. But yeah, I mean, like complete DIY ethic. That wouldn't have worked with anything I've ever been associated with. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I've heard that early pavement stuff, man. Um, but uh, exactly. <laughs> you're you're a big uh, you, you, well I don't, I don't know if maybe big fan is not quite the right term but you're a fan of the Dogface Hermans and you actually found their early stuff uh, when they were yeah, still back crazy. in Edinburgh huh It was crazy I just happened to be in Britain as a tourist we went to Edinburgh and of course like a kid like me so I would have been whatever 19 and I stumbled into a really cool record store in Edinburgh, and I bought the cool little seven-inch by a little band that was putting out their first seven-inch, a seven-inch called Unbend by Dogface Hermans. I was like, whoa. Then I didn't get to listen to it till I got home. Of course, 10 days later, I was like, oh, I love this. What a great buy. And then I bought another seven-inch of theirs. About a, They were pumping out seven-inches in the yeah. late 80s, yeah. locally made seven-inches in, in Edinburgh, just a local band. And uh, you're going to snippet uh, one of the songs off the second 7-inch I bought and uh, and uh, play it for us. It's, it's Dogface Herman's, when, before they'd met the X, when they were just a, a local band in Edinburgh, too much for the red ticker. Yeah, I'll just, I'll just play like a little, you know, 30-second snip, and then we'll go into the tune I was going to play. Cool, cool. Yeah, no, that's that's the Dogface Hermans. Fantastic. It kind of shows how frenetic, frenetic they were. Absolutely. High, high energy frenzy. Yeah. And that must have been the, the Nigerian uh, singing, I would hope. You know, that was she the singer you said, right? I guess, yeah. I don't really know yeah. her backstory, but uh, but I do know she was born in Nigeria and somehow made her way to Edinburgh. Um, and, you know, I think has a French name, so I think maybe she was, uh, you know, her... her family were world travelers and um 
Highly international woman. Absolutely, absolutely. But the song I'm going to play is from 91. It's a little later than the, the tune that we just snippeted there. Um, it's called The Hook and the Wire. It's from the album the Hum of Life, which um, may be, I mean, I guess if you had to pick... That's their most well-known album. It really is, yeah. You know, Mental Blocks for All Ages is fantastic. Um, Hum of Life is, I think, beginning to end probably their best, or certainly their best known. But uh, it's all good stuff. This this song, I guess, could have been played on last episode when I was doing protest songs, because this song, you can hear it in the lyrics, is very, very much about abortion. So, um, you know... They were a very political band. They were very outspoken, and uh, you know, they very left leaning. They did. Very they did their thing. Yeah, that's partly yeah. why they. Uh, I think they connected so well with the X, who are uh, anar- oh, yeah. a- anarchist punks, socialists. I mean, they lived the life. You know, they lived in as essentially a socialist commune band uh, for years. So, here we go. Dogface Herman's 1991 Three Songs Podcast. Dogface Sermons, Three Songs Pod. They always kind of, uh, or at least her vocals in a lot of ways, reminded me 
a bit of PJ Harvey, who I know you're a fan of. Well, I mean, yeah, of course, huge fan. Uh, I don't think PJ ever played anything that atonal or that fast or that the, freaky. Or, the, her earlier stuff, you know, like the the rawness of something like dry or even rid of me, you know, like. Yeah, but I mean, there was nothing was that frenzied. I mean, no, they, no, no, not from a musical stand. I mean, more from a, you know, subject matter, vocal delivery, just like in your face, female vocalist, you know, around the same time. I, I don't definitely know, see how they fit in with the X. Yeah. And the, like the amount of instrumentation there, I mean, it's got like, you know, plenty of mutant pop and you know, crazy horns, and I mean, it's just pretty wild. Ghosts Ghost, a fan. It really it pumped, it pumped Ghost up. Yeah, I mean, for sure. You know, and they're they're one up. of those bands that's, I mean, they, they're in, they, they like all types of music. You know, they would cover Ornette Coleman and Rashawn Roland Kirk and uh, a bunch of free jazz artists as well as you know, essentially playing indie rock, for lack of a better term, so. Well, it's definitely punk. Yeah, yeah. You know, and they ended up, I think their last record was on Alternative Tentacles, of course, the Dead Kennedys, Jello Biafra's label, you know, so they got a bit of attention. Did you ever see them? Did you ever see Dead Kennedys? I never did, no, no. Okay, I saw them once. They were really disappointing. I saw Mm -hmm. them in 1986, and I was, it's funny, today I woke up and for some reason had California, or new Uber alleys in my head, which I don't know where that came from. Is must have had some very bizarre dream, but dreaming um, about Governor Jerry Brown. Yeah, Jello Biafra just seemed like such a a jackass when I saw him live. He was playing in Charlottesville at UVA, and he he did these really sort of trite attacks on frat boys at UVA. You know, not as if they didn't deserve it. And my friend Mike Henney was a skateboard kid. This when I was eighteen. So, and uh, one great thing that Mike did during the show was he he was a master of not only stage dives but incredible stage dives where he would be able to like twist in the air and stuff like that. And he was doing three. He was having a blast. I mean, he's a huge Dead Kennedys fan, and and Jello went off on him like you know he made a huge tirade speech against stage diving and and i don't know where mike got the guts from at the time but he went up on stage while he was giving the speech and and he biafra was going on and on about how selfish stage diving was and it was a huge part of like mid-80s punk culture oh, yeah, for and, sure. and stayed that way all through the grunge era like oh yeah absolutely and, and uh this is a master stage diver and uh and, and a small guy i don't i don't really ever think i ever saw him hurt anybody but the offer was saying how selfish it was and in the middle of his speech mike went up and grabbed the mic from him out of his lime green rubber glove and said it's not selfish it's what we do and did a whopper of a stage dive <laughs> <laughs> And that's just a weird aside. I'm going to take us to a different place now. Um, hold on now. Yeah, I'm going to take us to uh, to New York, to obviously a different kind of New York City than what you're looking at today. Yeah, right. Eric B. Eric B. and Rakim. Uh, they started in Long Island mm-hmm. in the mid '80s. Uh, Eric actually. 
Archie's from Elmhurst. Eric Barrier's from Elmhurst. Of this band, they're actually back in action now. Wow, which is kind of interesting. Elmhurst is not far uh, from me at all. I know, but it's part of Queens. It is right, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's part of the it's part of the great borough of mm-hmm. Queens. Yep. And uh, this is you know off debated their their first two albums, Paid in Full, and uh, the album that this is off of, uh, it's Follow the Leader. It's what it's called. Off debated which is the better of these two legendary early hip hop records. And this was sort of like, this is very much New York hip hop. Yeah. Okay. Yep. And it was second, it was second wave. Like, so we're talking mid eighties. They're both great records paid in full and follow leader. Or this is off follow the follow leader, which is the, which I preferred when I worked in a record store, I worked with a dear friend named Kenny Askew and he would, he would, we'd actually argue he would always defend paid in full, which is a great album. But uh, this is uh, Rakim, who's the rapper. This is his, to me, his greatest rap. And uh, it's Lyrics of Fury by Eric B. and Rakim. All right. Ghost with the lead in. Here we go. Yeah. Yeah, Ghost. I'm rated all. This is a warning. You better avoid. Poets and paranoid. DJs destroy. Because I came back to attack others and spike. Like, like lightning, it's quite frightening. But don't be afraid in the dark, in a bark, not a scream or a cry or a bark, more like a spark. I tremble like an alcoholic, muscles tighten up. What's that like? Numb. You see a sight, but suddenly you feel like you're in a horror flick. You grab your heart and wish for tomorrow quick. Music's a clue when I come, you're born. Apocalypse now when I'm done, you're gone. Haven't you ever heard of an MC murderer? This is a death penalty, and I'm serving her. So come on, step to this hysterical idea for a lyrical professionist. Body 13 walking down Elm Street. You come in my realm, you get beat. This is all flimmer, so your bridges are blurry. All you see is the meters of the volume pumping lyrics of fury. Fearsome. You want to hear some sounds that not only pounds, but plays your eardrum. I 
sit back and observe the whole scenery The nonchalantly tell you what it mean to me Strictly business, I'm quickly in this mood And I don't care if the whole crowd's a witness I'ma tell you apart, but I'ma spare you a heart Programming to the speed of the rhyme Prepare to start rhythms out of the radius The same as the craziest Musical madness, MC have amazing Now an emergency, open heart surgery Open your mind, you will find every word to be Furier than ever, I remain the future Battles tempting, whatever suits you From word to sentence, there's no resemblance You're thinking rough for the self of the consequences I'm never dying, terrifying results I wake up with hundreds of thousands of false mics I'm out for resuscitation, rhythm with radiation Novocaine's a pain, it might save him If not, Eric B's the judge, the crowd's a jury How do I plead to homicide? Lyrics of fury So one thing I love about that song is, of course, I'm not going to go into the lyrics. If you want to see the lyrics, you can find them easily on the internet. Lyrics of Fury by Eric B. and Rakim. But uh, the percussive elements of that song for, for a rap song, there's claves, there's, there's, they, they use the sleigh bells brilliantly mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. all their music. There are definitely a lot of songs. And Microphone Fiend has beautiful like sleigh bell action, like... And uh, New York was a rough place. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And uh, and I mean, I drove a bus there from 89 to 92, which was sort of the tail end of the chaos. Mm -hmm. And that was one of the soundtracks of my New York experience. And uh, so to me, it's a, a record that cuts deep and it sets us such a high standard as a hip hop classic along with paid in full. And, uh, I'm pleased to see that they're back in action. Hopefully they're doing themselves justice. Cause along with like KRS one, they're actually a gang star from Newark. They're actually hip hop bands that could pull it off live. Yeah. They're, they're, they were good live. And like, I can't say the same about public enemy from my experience seeing them and, uh, who are another great band. Right. Yeah. And, uh, Absolutely. Anyways. Yeah, no, uh, and and they're a band or a group or artists, you know, I've heard bits and pieces and I hear the legend, but I have not really, I need to dive more into Paid in Full in that record. Yeah, just check those two records. Just yeah. check those two records. Yeah, because I love, I love the early Public Enemy stuff. I love a lot of that stuff. I mean, I've, I've played some of the early hip hop stuff on the show. But for whatever reason, I mean, I guess just like at the time, you know. Well, I if was, you've overlooked Eric B. and Rakim and Gangstar, those are I was, two serious legends. Bob, I was a white boy from California, and so I was a white boy from Richmond. Hip hop from New York, but you lived in New York at the time. Hip hop, hip hop from well, New no, York. Well, no, I lived in New York like after that had yeah, all been done. I mean, they were still active. Still, but, like they're they're classics that happened. You know, I, I got here 
what, 30 years later. <laughs> so, you know. You know, it's like a wildly different place. Uh, it is. It <laughs> is. So, you know, I mean. I mean, the, the subway ride on the A train to Aqueduct. Uh, can't was imagine. A beast. I mean, I can't imagine. The, fact that, the fact that, like, people live in Bed-Stuy now, like, people, like, live comfortably in Bed-Stuy. Yeah. You know, and is. Uh, you didn't get off the subway there, you know, right. unless you unless you made a wrong move. Yeah. If, you know, if you're and I, you know, I'll tell you what New York was like that. I used to wear my bus driving uniform everywhere. Here's the reason why. Is I felt very comfortable in my bus driving uniform that nobody would mess with me. And I'm a six foot one, 190 pound dude yeah. in a bus driving uniform. So I felt I felt like if you're wearing like an actual city uniform, then there's less of a chance that you're going to get mugged. Mm-hmm. So like, mm-hmm. I'd go see, a, I'd go see late, very, and things happened very. That was one of the beauties of New York. Things happened very late at night. Like I could get off. My favorite shift was three to twelve. I could get off at twelve and go to CBS or go to some crazy club on the Lower East Side. And see live music, and then get on the path path train, and stumble back home to Jersey City or Hoboken, were the two places that I lived. And so I'd have to take a pretty long walk after the after the shows, and I felt like nobody would. I felt like I was protected by the fact that I was sort of in a city uniform. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it makes sense. Makes sense. I mean, it yeah. it, it worked. I got away yeah, with it. So for sure, <laughs> for sure, you're you're here to tell the story. Yeah, it wasn't that bad. Come on. <sighs> well, yeah, there were times <laughs> and there were areas that were kind of bad, but uh, I saw some amazing things. Let yeah, me tell you, as yeah. a bus driver, and that's the excuse I gave my mother to go drive a bus in New York City after finishing an American government degree at University <laughs> of Virginia. <laughs> I'm, Mom, I'm here to like document my experience in New York City. I'm going to write a book about being a bus driver in New York City, and that wasn't the truth at all. I was just there to like extend my my musical experience and see great stuff, and you know, hang out with my two buddies that I'd moved there with, and and uh, Stephen and David, and and be in New York during yeah. a, a fantastic era. I mean, there's. There, literally, you look at the calendar back then, and over the course of 30 nights, there'd be like 23 nights that you would have wanted to go out and see stuff. So you'd pick about the best 10. Right. And there was, there was great stuff happening all, all over, you know, great stuff happening everywhere. And it was all international, like, you know, punk rock bands, all kinds of great stuff coming from everywhere. There weren't that many dull moments. It was, it was, the right place for to be at 22 23 years old right for me right it was back when there were actually live music clubs in manhattan playing independent rock punk a lot rock. of them like, yeah and, and a lot of upstart yeah. places a lot of places lasted for six months 12 months mm-hmm. pyramid was a great place uh saw some amazing stuff there i mean they'd, they would actually have like a free night and like incredible bands would play like on a free night. I mean, CBS was thriving, and uh, there were so many other ones. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There was bars to hang out in after you went to the show, and 
it was great to like get off at midnight and show up after work and things were just getting started and you hook up your, with your friends and you could play catch up real quick. And uh, you also got better service at the bar in the in a bus driving uniform for some reason, which is pretty <laughs> key when you're like, you know, not not very like fashionably cool ever, which I've never right. been. And uh, whatever, I, it was you know just a glorious time to be in New York, and I was I was happy to be there, and I was happy to go just about like everywhere I've ever lived. So, well, uh, you know. There you go. Fan- so fantastic. Let's let's jump back. I, I believe this was New York, but a, a few decades earlier, 1958. I'm going back to. Yeah, that's a whole bunch of decades. A whole bunch of decades earlier. <laughs> uh, some classic, classic. It, you know, I, I played Sonny Rollins a few shows ago. Uh, this love that love th- that. This is right up there, and, and it's the same era, 1958. This was recorded. Art Blakey's Jazz Messengers, which was a thriving band at the time, released a bunch of really, really good albums. Monin, for instance, is a classic around the same era. If you don't have it, if you've never heard it, Monin is amazing. So Blakey, of course, a drummer. Uh, he was a leader of this, this band. Uh, I think they were a quartet. And um, for one album, they added Thelonious Monk, the legendary Thelonious Monk. And he was already a jazz legend at the time. And then was kind of... carry around a name like that, Thelonious Monk. Thelonious Monk. Monk. You gotta be be good. Oh my God, seriously. I mean, you know... His approach was... He must have made that up, right? I I have no idea where the name came from. Frankly, no idea. Well, we'll I'll look that up during the song. You, 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 the, you've got a research <laughs> task. You've got homework during the song, but you got to, you got to pay attention yeah. because his approach—it's so like atonal, and you'll hear it's the notes he doesn't play. It's like it's, it's not like there are some pianists that, especially jazz pianists, that play a lot of notes, and it's about virtuosity. For him, it's like things sound off. They sound weird, but right at the same time and i love that atonal textures and just like the pause and then the little accent uh, like there was nobody better from a piano piano standpoint in jazz than go on hit monk. it jazz, man. let's hit let's do jazz, it man. this one's uh this is a <laughs> monk composition it's called in walked bud art blakey's jazz messengers with thelonious monk fantastic Thank you. 
Pelosi's monk. Yeah. Okay, so anyways, 1917, Thelonious Monk Uh was born in Rocky Mountain, North Carolina. Okay. Okay. Southern man. His name was, his his name, birth name is Thelonious Sphere Monk. There you go. Okay. Amazing. Okay, and Rocky Mountain is a a town to me that is most famous for producing – one of the greatest point guards in basketball I ever ever saw in my life, Phil Ford of the University of North Carolina, who's an Olympic gold medalist and one of the finest point guards I ever saw in my life. Also, Alberta Gay, the mother of Marvin Gay. Okay. Wow. Another incredible basketball player for the Maryland Terrapins, Buck Williams. Mm-hmm. And a sure. lot of like really really famous African-Americans, like a long list of very famous African-Americans. But I guess their proudest son would be Thelonious. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And and so, you know, Thelonious on that record was joined by the Jazz Messengers, led by Art Blakey. Tenor sax. He's a drummer, right? Oh, yeah. 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 Fantastic drummer. drummer. Yeah. Yeah. Tenor sax, Johnny Griffin, Bill Hardman on the trumpet. Uh, and you know who played bass? You know you Th- you think Thelonious Monk's a good name? You know the name of the bassist on that record? Hit me with it, Spanky DeBrest. <laughs> oh, come on now, you. <laughs> I'm serious. Now, now, now you're gonna make me make make sure that's his real name. I'm serious. Yeah, Spanky. But anyways, I'm gonna take us back. To, I'm gonna take us back to indie rock. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Bob, you do it. Like, I'm gonna take us back to indie rock from this millennium. Okay. Uh, a band that I think is really cool. Uh, for one thing, a band that does a fantastic live show. And after stopping, after stopping the band, they're also back in action. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a band that started in New York in of 2000. Course, yeah. This is one of their early hits, 2006. A uh, band that uh, did an incredible set right after this, the release of this song at the Reading Festival in England, which is uh, a good measuring stick for me. I played there three times, and it's a tough stage, and they absolutely killed it. And one of the songs they killed was this song, Gold Lion, by Yeah, Yeah, yes. And uh, Karen O, who's a, a Korean-born woman who grew up, I believe, in Englewood, New Jersey. And uh, they're just, she's a real ass-kicker, and and they're a three-piece band. They're, they were just drums, guitar, and her before. They, then later they added keyboards and stuff like that. It Splits is a great album. The album that followed this this up. But uh, Gold Line by Yes.
yeah, yeah. So yeah. anyway, yeah. I, yeah, 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 it's called yeah. light. So yeah, yeah, I'm going to encourage people to do something to, to see like a really joyful uh, live experience on, on YouTube's in which it's a three song thing. It's like a 10 minute clip of them playing Reading Festival live. I think in 2006 or 2007, it's readily available on YouTube. It's Maps, Gold Line, another one of their raging hits at the yeah, time. Maps, I've, maps I've rarely was... seen anybody ever own a stage and like express more joy on stage. And she's a very powerful like current performer and Karen O from Yeah Yes. Nice. Yeah. I mean they were huge, huge, huge buzz band at the time around the release of that record, the release of Maps as a as a I mean they were gonna be like the saviors of rock and you know well that's probably an overstatement but well according to some of the critics i mean the buzz around them was so huge that there's no way they could have ever lived up to it you know but even still the music holds up and that song especially i haven't heard that song in a few years just listening to it doing nothing else but focusing on listening to it while it was playing just a few minutes ago it's a fantastic song. It holds up. Yeah. And uh, I, I think that obviously they, it's very difficult spot to be in. Yeah. When, when sure. people think that whatever it is, like the amount of criticism of big spots that goes on, the expectations, like when you, when you do something great right off the start, right. Like of your career, whether, whatever it's, whether it's, you know, it's, it's, it's like they're hitting the nail on the head, right? Right, right off the start. So the expectations grow really high. Mm-hmm. It's of course, we've heard the famous term, the sophomore slump mm-hmm. and you've got to reinvent yourself. And every single time you like go back into the studio, with the new set of songs. Right. And you have to like, kind of like divorce yourself from the pressure of the fact that you're being focused on, which was, perhaps never your intention as a band and then you know people wait for your next record and they want it to be good and other people who aren't in the band who are maybe working for the record label have some influence and try and you know i mean i can convince you to do certain things or try you know i mean it's i mean to their credit i think yeah he has like charted their own course so yeah for sure they they made a you know, a few more records and then she's made some solo stuff and now they're, they're actually back in action. They played, they played a few shows here in the last 10 days, which then the band stopped for a while. And I don't know if they're going to get back together. Uh, but I think that their body of work actually is pretty cool, even though it's limited. And, and, uh, I mean, I, it's a completely different era of rock, but right. Than, than what I what I enjoyed in it, my experience, but uh, the you know the, it's hard to live up to expectations. So absolutely, all you can do is to all you can help hope to do, and in, in one of, in, in the situation they were in is to you know please your fans. That's all you really care about. You can't please the critics. You just got to please your fans. So even please yourself, and hopefully the fans will follow. Ideally, but yeah. uh, and and if you don't, and then that's just the way it goes. That is the way it goes. Yeah, but I mean, the, you, you the mentioned... The thing s- that you have to remember is is that like they wouldn't... 
you know, never would have been cherished in that type of light if they weren't doing some pretty magical stuff from the start. Gold Lion's a part of that. Absolutely. So, yeah. And you mentioned the sophomore slump. You know, I, the, the way I've heard it, the, the best way I've heard it articulated is, you know, a band or an artist, however many, you know, like let's say they're 25, they've had 25 years to work on their first record. You know, they'll get six months, eight months to work on their second. So, uh, you know. <laughs> well, who knows how it works. I mean, some bands just start as like a little project. Yeah. And then they just make a bunch of songs and... Right. And people are like, hold, hold on, this is really cool. Yeah. And there's a lot of band. It's just, it's just an interesting environment today because all, all you can do is hope to hit the ball off the tee properly. Like I'm taking it back to like, you know, if Teddy played, if your son played t-ball baseball and showed some ability as a seven-year-old to really smack the ball off the tee, then there'd be expectations that he was going to be a good baseball player. But then like when he turns 90, he might hate baseball. Right. You know? Right. Sure. <laughs> so it's like, you know, that's a terrible analogy. And I often make terrible analogies, but <laughs> it's <laughs> okay. Know, sometimes sometimes okay. you just don't want to do it anymore. That's or okay. you just don't feel yeah. the same vibe or you, yep. like whatever the you know, the personal vibe and the band changes and da 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 but Absolutely. Uh, so all right. Well I'm gonna but, Go ahead. Yeah. Last word no, on that, ahead. and then I'm gonna switch switch subjects. Oh no! What, what are you gonna play? I'm gonna play. I'm gonna go to Wales. We're gonna end the show going to Wales. Well, it's a funky place. In the funky in the place, we're gonna go to Wales in the mid to late nineties. Uh, a bit Good of a times there. Super free animals. Yep, absolutely. Roll in there. They band. they were probably the best known of the Wales bands. Indie, They're still humming indie bands from Wales. I'm gonna go Gorky Zychotic Mincy, uh, and a shout out to a Twitter follower, Mac Wolf. Um, and and it it's actually a connection to um, Bill Ryder Jones, who I played on one of the the first shows, maybe show two. He's a big, big fan. He's from Liverpool. He's not from Wales, but he's from Liverpool. He's a big fan of Gorky's Psychotic Mincy. And I, I heard him talking so about... So are you. Well, but partly through him. And this is this is my oh. story. I heard him talking about how much they were a huge influence on him. And I'd heard a couple songs here and there, but like it was... You know, Eric B. and Rakim is a bit of a blind alley for me. Like I never really just... It just... I didn't get a chance to experience it. Gorky, Zychotic, Mincy, Total Blind Alley. And so I kind of put it out there on Twitter a couple years ago, and I said, eh, you know, I have a couple thousand Twitter followers, you know. Uh, any of you, you know, most of them are horse racing related, but yeah. anybody give me... There. Anybody <laughs> off chance give me a Gorky, Zychotic, Mincy recommendation? Where do I start? And he gave me yeah. a few albums... And pointed me in the right direction. So thank you, Mac. Uh, appreciate it. Um, this is from this. I'm going to play a song from 1997. It's from a, an album called Barafundal, I think is how you pronounce it. And it was. It seems like it's a bit of a transitional record. You'll hear it, and this is a perfect song. I mean, it's like this song could have been a major, major hit. It's like a 90s version of like 60s orchestral pop it's like a perfect pop song and then they midway through 
switch and start singing it in whale in Welsh instead of you know it's in English throughout, and which they, is a very very funky language. It is, it is, and it's like you could you could hear the people at the record label going, "Okay, this is not going to be a hit now." You know, it's well, like the Welsh. You know, the Welsh they have the longest words in yeah. any. Yeah. original language i mean it like talk about career suicide it's like it could have <laughs> been one of the biggest hits of the 90s talk and then about personal welsh pride well you know tomato tomato and you know so this is why maybe it's not as known a song it's they they just decided in the middle of the three minute song to, to go all welsh on it and uh you know i love it hopefully you'll love it but uh, it's it's why it probably didn't reach a larger audience. So, the song is "Patio Song" by Gorky's Zychotic Mincy. So I love whales. Let's hear it. Well, isn't it a Gotta imagine you came across Gorky's Zygotic Mincy a little bit in the nineties. Played a pavement. couple shows with them, they were very good. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, fun band, like really good, good pop songs. Like good three minute long 
just fantastic pop songs. That I album. Take the three minute form. I yeah. Take the three minute form. That With, album. Like I often say, like if you're gonna go longer than three minutes, you better be doing some magic. For sure. You know, Spanish Dance Troupe is an amazing record. Uh, even the earlier stuff uh, is is a little more lo-fi, a little more Welsh, um, but very, very good stuff from them. Cool band. Cool tip by Mac. Yeah, Mac. He'll yeah. he's you know he'll appreciate the shout out. He I know he listens to the show. So yeah, we got a we got a regular listener. We do. We do, and you know that reminds me. Anybody that's listening, if you like it, leave a review on whatever format you're listening: Google Play, iTunes, SoundCloud, wherever. You know, it helps. It and helps. again, if you want to correct us, yeah, feel free because we love corrections. We do. Yeah, and uh, if you also hate something or you love something, you know, that's cool too. That is cool. It's probably not. Gonna, it's probably not going to change the way that we do this show, but. Because um, we're just going to present whatever we feel like listening to for each show. <laughs> we like to we like to hear from us or from the listeners. We like to hear from the yeah. listeners for sure. Let's hope there's like you know a few dozen that are like you know in a the whatever we can take criticism. So go yeah. ahead and have a go. Well, and you know, I mean, I I dabble with themes now and then. If there's some themes that might be fun to pursue, or if you. You know, say, screw it, stick with Bob's three random songs. That's fine, <laughs> yeah. too, you know? Uh, random Bob and his quirky ghost. Random Bob and quirky ghost. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, well. I'm just trying to entertain ghosts. It's, it's been another fun one, Bob, as yeah, always. Thanks, Episode 12. See you ASAP. See Episode you ASAP. 12, yeah, we'll do 13 soon. Yeah, lucky 13. That's right. That's right. Thanks for everyone listening and uh, we'll, you know, we'll catch you on the on the flip side very soon. So, thank you. Cheers. Three songs pod. <laughs>